If you're enjoying Bradbury 100, please check out my other podcast, Science Fiction 101, in which we explore the past, present and future of science fiction. Find it at 101sf.blogspot.com and head over to YouTube to find my Bradbury 101 series, in which I look at Ray's books and movies. This is Bradbury 100, celebrating the life and work of American writer Ray Bradbury. I'm Phil Nichols of bradburymedia.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Bradbury 100. In this episode, I'm going to take you on a tour of Ray Bradbury's other Martian stories. Now, we all know that The Martian Chronicles uh, is a novel. Well, it's really a collection of short stories set on the planet Mars. But did you know that Ray also wrote a whole bunch of other Martian stories that were not included in The Martian Chronicles? Over the years, various people have suggested that maybe they should be collected together to make another volume. And in fact, there was once a proposal in the early 2000s from Mark Scott Zikri to put together a book which would have been called possibly The Other Martian Chronicles or Further Martian Chronicles. The proposal never went anywhere, but the stories that Zikri had gathered together did eventually get combined in a limited edition book called The Martian Chronicles The Complete Edition, which was a book that collected the original Martian Chronicles, plus these additional Martian stories, plus a couple of Ray's Martian Chronicle screenplays. And there were a few essays thrown in there as well, a few commentaries from famous authors. There's a book I've mentioned before on the podcast, Ray Bradbury, The Life of Fiction, which was written by Jonathan Eller and William Tuponce. And in that book, they do a kind of archaeological dig into the origins of Ray's works. And they do this for the Martian Chronicles, among others. And in there you will find various tables of contents that Bradbury toyed with as he was putting together the concept for the book back in 1949, when he had his first meeting with Walter Bradbury, no relation, who was the editor at Doubleday Books. Ray often spoke of this in interviews and in various essays that he wrote, emphasising how significant Walter Bradbury's suggestions were Ray said that he hadn't really thought of putting his short stories together into the form of a continuous narrative until Walt Bradbury had suggested it. Actually, that's not true. There is documentary evidence that Bradbury had tinkered with the idea a couple of years earlier. Anyway, we do have a handwritten preliminary table of contents for the Martian Chronicles from over a year before the book was published. And the lineup of stories in that first table of contents is quite similar to what we see in the finished book. It starts with Rocket Summer, it moves on to Illa, and then The Earthmen, Mars is Heaven, and The Moon Be Still as Bright. And then it begins to vary a little bit, because Ray had so many stories to choose from. And not all of the Martian stories naturally fitted into what he was attempting to do, which was a kind of a continuous narrative. Interestingly, in that first handwritten table of contents, there's a marginal note. Ray has written Invasion next to Illa, 
and the Earth Man and Mars is Heaven and the Moon Be Still is Bright. So he was clearly seeing those stories as making up the invasion phase. Interestingly, Ray didn't always know what the ending of the book would be. We're quite used to seeing the Million Year Picnic as the last chapter of the Martian Chronicles. It has finality to it. It has Earth people realising that they are the Martians now. How else could the book end other than with that story? But in Ray's original handwritten note, the Million Year Picnic would have been followed by There Will Come Soft Rains, The Long Years, The Silent Towns, and then the final chapter of the book would be I, Mars. Now, I, Mars isn't in the Martian Chronicles as we know it. It dropped out of the list of contents as Ray worked his way towards the, well, what we would think of now as the true table of contents found in the first edition of the Martian Chronicles. Now, Ella and Tupont's in their analysis show how the Martian Chronicles came to be. They reveal the other stories that could have been in the Martian Chronicles but were eventually dropped along the way. So these are the stories that Ella and Tuponts identify. They all had grandfathers. The Visitor. The Fire Balloons. That's a story which wasn't in the original first edition Martian Chronicles, but you will find it in some later editions. Also, The Exiles. The Naming of Names. Now, there is a chapter in the Martian Chronicles called The Naming of Names, but it's a very brief bridging passage. There is a separate story called The Naming of Names, and that was in the original Table of Contents. You may know that story by another title, Dark They Were and Golden-Eyed. And then the other two stories that shown in the early Table of Contents are The Love Affair and I, Mars, which I mentioned a moment ago. I've spoken before about how unreliable the Martian Chronicles is. Different editions of it have different tables of contents, usually because Bradbury had the opportunity to tinker with the book for a new edition, and so he did. But when you look at the archaeological work that Ella and Tuponts did in The Life of Fiction, you see that there's an even greater range of possible tables of contents for the Martian Chronicles, because you can choose from a wide range of stories, some of which can go in and some of which will drop out, and you can also change the order. Now, when it came to the other Martian stories being published, which was only in a limited edition book called The Martian Chronicles, The Complete Edition, some other bits of text showed up which weren't mentioned in The Life of Fiction. So what I'd like to do is to go through these stories and just give you a flavour of each one so that you can see what alternative roads The Martian Chronicles might have taken. So let's start with The Lonely Ones. This was first published in Startling Stories in July 1949, and you can find it collected in one of Ray's books. It's in Bradbury Stories. And this one is about a small group of astronauts on the planet Mars, and they get very lonely, and they think about their wives, their girlfriends back on Earth. And then they discover footprints on Mars, dainty footprints. And they begin speculating on what Martian women might be like. Well, the footprints go off into a cave, and so they follow. And I won't spoil it for you. You can go and read the story yourself in Bradbury Stories. The next other Martian Chronicles story is The Exiles. And this is quite a well-known Bradbury story. It was first published under the title The Mad Wizards of Mars in Maclean's in September 1949. And you can find it in a number of Bradbury books. It's in Bradbury Stories, R is for Rocket, The Illustrated Man... 
match to flame and a pleasure to burn. This is the story that begins with, well, three witches, just like the ones in Macbeth, but they interact not with a Scottish king, but with the crew of a rocket ship. And before long, Edgar Allan Poe, William Shakespeare, Ambrose Bierce, Charles Dickens and others show up as fictional characters. Now, I've never been a great fan of The Exiles, but from the fact that it's been reprinted so often, I gather that there are people out there who like it. My guess, though, is that Ray left it out of the Martian Chronicles because he was already set on having Usher 2 in there. And like Usher 2, The Exiles is really a wild fantasy which just happens to be set on Mars. Next, we get to the story called The One Who Waits, and this first appeared in the Arkham Sampler in summer 1949, and you can find it collected in The Machineries of Joy and The Stories of Ray Bradbury. So again, none of these stories are lost stories. These are stories set on Mars which have had a very happy, healthy publishing life. They just happen not to have been selected for the Martian Chronicles because they didn't fit. The One Who Waits is a very curious piece of creative writing. It's written in the first person and it's written in the present tense. And both of these are a bit unusual for Bradbury. He did write other stories in the first person, but very few stories in the present tense. And the opening lines of the story really give you the fantastical premise. Straight away it goes, I live in a well. I live like smoke in the well, like vapour in a stone throat. I don't move. I don't do anything but wait. Overhead I see the cold stars of night and morning, and I see the sun, and sometimes I sing old songs of this world when it was young. How can I tell you what I am when I don't know? I cannot. I am simply waiting. Next comes a story called The Disease, and this one has only ever appeared in the Martian Chronicles Complete Edition. It's not collected in any of Bradbury's other books, and nor has it been published in any magazine. But we do know that it was written around 1949 because it was listed in Ray's preliminary handwritten table of contents for the Martian Chronicles. It's a very short piece. It's just two pages, and it is, in fact, a sequel to Illa. But it's not really a story. It might be better to think of it as just being a coda to the story. It summarises and repeats some of the information from Illa and other early chapters from the Martian Chronicles. And there's just one character in it who is unnamed, but from context he's clearly the husband of Illa. And in the disease, Illa is dead, and Ill, the husband is dying, as indeed is every Martian on the planet Mars, because of the disease brought by the Earth people. Now, if this story, well, it's not really a story, but if this little bridging passage had been included in the Martian Chronicles, we know that it would have appeared between the third expedition, that's the Mars is Heaven story, and And the Moon Be Still as Bright. And if you remember And the Moon Be Still as Bright, that begins with a new expedition to Mars, which has discovered that everyone on Mars is dead. So there's a continuity leap, if you like, between the third expedition, which basically has the Martians winning out over the Earth invaders, and And the Moon Be Still as Bright, when suddenly the Martian resistance is all gone, because they've all died. And the disease kind of bridges the two, continuity-wise. But I don't think it really provides any information that isn't already there, in either the preceding stories or the ones that follow. 
And so it seems perfectly reasonable that Ray would have dropped this from the table of contents, but it was included in his submitted manuscript for the Martian Chronicles. But at some point, either he or his editor must have realised that the book would work fine, or perhaps better, without its presence. Next, we have something that really isn't even a story. Dead of Summer. Again, this has only ever been published in the Martian Chronicles Complete Edition. But it's not a story, it's a paragraph. It's another one of these linking passages. And then comes a three-page story called The Martian Ghosts. Again, this only ever appeared in the Complete Edition, and it isn't listed in any of the tables of contents in the life of fiction. And I'm not confident that it's even a single work. It's a very fragmentary piece. Not really a story, just a series of brief vignettes about some Martian ghosts, some characters who perhaps are physically dead but survive in spirit and move around the planet. And of course we see examples of similar ghostly Martians throughout the Martian Chronicles. The fire balloons has some Martians who manifest as spheres of light, and there's that story in the Martian Chronicles where a Martian and an Earthman meet on the highway and they look around themselves and the Earthman sees one landscape and the Martian sees another. Well, that Martian is a ghost. So if this pseudo-story, The Martian Ghosts, had been taken into The Martian Chronicles and integrated into the book, it would have added a little more detail to the ghostliness, the haunted feeling that we get from the planet Mars, but I don't think it would have added much to the book. The next piece is called Jemima True, and again, it's only ever appeared in the complete edition, and it's not listed in The Life of Fiction. But once again, it's a very short piece, just over a page, and it's barely a story. It's more of an idea. There aren't very many female characters in the Martian Chronicles, and if this story had been included, well, there would have been one additional character, Jemima True. The story tells us that she came to the planet Mars in the spring of 2160, and we're told that she has hair like an explosion of sunlight and a skin like snow. But that's all it tells us, because it isn't really a story. Once again, this is linking material. This is background material on how the people of Earth came to Mars. And once we get beyond the third paragraph of the story, it goes, And so the men of Earth came in slowly at first, and then in ever-increasing waves. There are other passages in the Martian Chronicles, other linking or bridging passages, which do this same thing. So Jemima True isn't really even a story. It's just another one of these bridging passages. And my guess is that it's one that just fell out of the manuscript. It wasn't needed. The next piece is They All Had Grandfathers. And this is another story that's only ever appeared in the complete edition. And according to the tables of contents in The Life of Fiction... This story would have sat between the settlers and the green morning. And for once, it is an actual story. It isn't just one of these fragments uh, of lost text. It tells of men who have come to Mars to build the first town, and they lay out the lines of the town with string or twine, planning where to put the city hall, the grocery, the jail, the dime store. And as they discuss what brought them to Mars, it becomes clear that each one of them was inspired by their well, they're, they're grandfathers on the journey west. In other words, these pioneers on Mars are the grandchildren of the pioneers of the American West. And the main character, uh, who's called Samson Wood, 
vividly remembers his grandfather telling him about travelling west, and it's as if he and all his fellow travellers to Mars had itchy feet. They too needed a frontier, somewhere to head for, but in their case, the frontier is Mars. Now, of course, this is one of the central ideas of the Martian Chronicles. The whole book, really, is a retelling of Europeans coming to the Americas. The discovery, the invasion, the colonisation, and all of that really is encapsulated in this one story. What happens in the story is that Samson Wood hits on the idea of building something that every male visitor to Mars apparently would want. He doesn't spell out precisely what his plan is, but he goes and talks to the powers that be and says that he wants to bring women. And just when you're thinking that he's planning on building a brothel, we cut to a scene which shows the opening of a saloon. They're dancing girls, you see. Incidentally, in the published version of the story in The Martian Chronicles, the complete edition, there is an inconsistency, which might just be a typo, but I think it's revealing of something. The inconsistency is that the story begins on May the 17th, 2001, and the story is told in real time, and it ends with the death of Samson Wood, and on his gravestone it shows that he died in the year 2000. Probably just a typo, but it's possible that this is a manuscript issue. It may be that the first page of Bradbury's manuscript is from one draft and the last page is from a different draft. This happens all the time. My own research is in the Bradbury papers in the Centre for Ray Bradbury Studies has led me on some real wild goose chases as I've tried to reconcile parts of a manuscript that really don't belong together. What Ray would often do is rewrite and then pages from different drafts would somehow coalesce and you would end up with what appears to be a continuous manuscript, but it's actually made up of different drafts from different times. And I suspect that may have happened with this story. The next story is The Strawberry Window, and this is a Martian story which postdates The Martian Chronicles. It was first published in 1954 in an anthology called Star Science Fiction, um, edited by Frederick Pohl. And you can find The Strawberry Window in a number of Bradbury books. It's in A Medicine for Melancholy, R is for Rocket, Twice 22, and The Stories of Ray Bradbury. And it clearly was never intended to be part of the Martian Chronicles, because it was written several years after. The Strawberry Window is the story of a married couple who have moved to Mars, but the woman is very unhappy. She keeps thinking of all the things on Earth that are important to her, and then one day her husband surprises her. He has her dearest possessions shipped to Mars, including the front door of the house with the strawberry window in it. Now, in the Martian Chronicles Complete Edition, the version of the Martian Chronicles itself that's included is the revised version, which drops way in the middle of the air. Now, because that's not in the Martian Chronicles anymore, that becomes an other Martian story, so the complete edition collects it in with the other Martian stories. Now that gives us a unique opportunity to see a couple of stories side by side because they place way in the middle of the air next to the sequel to it, which is called The Other Foot, and they also put next to it a very short piece called The Wheel, which seems to complete the cycle, although it doesn't, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Way in the Middle of the Air is the story of the black people from the Deep South 
who decide they've had enough of all this racist nonsense and they go off to Mars to start again. In the Martian Chronicles, you never see what happens. You never see them landing on Mars. You just see them departing for Mars. But Ray did write a sequel, which was The Other Foot. And The Other Foot shows them established on Mars. The black people have established themselves, built a, a whole new world on Mars. And then one day, a white person arrives from Earth, and we think, oh my god, we're going to go back to the old days again. Now, the other foot cannot fit into the Martian Chronicles because it presumes that the only people living on Mars are the black people. And that doesn't work with anything else in the Martian Chronicles. So it's quite obvious that the other foot doesn't belong there, even though it's a good story. But what Ray did write to kind of bridge way in the middle of the air into the Martian Chronicles is a very short passage called The Wheel. And the wheel isn't a story. It's just two paragraphs. It's yet another tiny bit of linking material that has been dropped out of the manuscript of the Martian Chronicles. And it functions as a little coda to way in the middle of the air. Because what the wheel says is that those black people from the Deep South who set off on the rocket, it says they missed Mars and they ended up landing on Venus instead. Now, it's a comedy twist, a comedy ending, but I think it somewhat undermines the anti-racist tone of Way in the Middle of the Air. So I'm quite pleased that the wheel wasn't included in the Martian Chronicles. Next up is The Love Affair, and this was apparently written around 1948, but wasn't published until 1982. And you can find it in the collection The Toynbee Convector. It's a story about a Martian who falls in love with an Earth woman, although he knows that this will probably lead to his own death. And in a sense, therefore, it's a switch around of the story Illa, where, which is where a Martian woman falls for an Earth man. Following that in the complete edition is The Marriage. And again, this is a story unique to the complete edition. It's never been published anywhere else. And again, it's very short. It's just two and a half pages, a very short piece. And it isn't listed in any of those tables of contents in the life of fiction. Once again, there is some evidence of this being an incomplete or early draft of a story. And the reason I say that is, although it's all written in the past tense, there are three very short paragraphs on the second page where it suddenly becomes present tense synopsis. It suddenly goes, In the middle of a party on Earth, they find that all the guests, the host, the hostesses, are robots. She misses Mars, he misses Earth. And then... It goes back to the past tense, the actual tallying of the story. So that really doesn't sound right. If you didn't know better, you might think it was a mistake in the typesetting. But I suspect it comes from some error in the collation of the original manuscript pages. Anyway, what the story is about is an Earthman and a Martian woman getting married. And that's what would make it difficult squeezing this into the Martian Chronicles, because in the Martian Chronicles, the Martians are pretty much gone once we get to the story and the moon be still as bright. The Martians are extinct at that point. The only ones left, really, are these ghostly figures rather than real live Martians. 
Next we come to The Visitor, and this first appeared in Startling Stories in November 1948, and it's been collected a couple of times. You can find it in Bradbury Stories and in The Illustrated Man. And it's about some people who have a disease called blood rust, and they're forced to live on Mars for recuperation, and they can't return to Earth. This is another story that it might be difficult to squeeze into the Martian Chronicles. It might detract somewhat from the overall theme of colonisation and growth of a new society. The visitor was pencilled in by Bradbury for the Martian Chronicles, and he had it sitting between the Green Morning and the Locusts, but only in the very earliest handwritten table of contents, the one he wrote in 1949, and the story was not included in the version of the Martian Chronicles that he submitted to Doubleday in 1950. Next we come to The Lost City of Mars, and this is a story which postdates the Martian Chronicles by many years. It was first published in Playboy in January 1967, and you can find it collected in Bradbury's short story collection I Sing the Body Electric. And it has in it characters from the Martian Chronicles, and this has made some people think that Bradbury wrote a sequel to the Martian Chronicles, or at least to part of the Martian Chronicles. Amongst the characters who are familiar to us are Captain Wilder, he's the captain from And the Moon Be Still as Bright, and there is Sam Parkhill uh, from the same story. What many people don't know, however, is that this story was originally part of a screenplay. Go back a couple of episodes on the podcast and you'll hear me talking about Ray's Martian Chronicles screenplays. Well, he wrote a couple of those. Well, he wrote about four in total. And his 1965 screenplay expanded on certain elements in the Martian Chronicles and one kind of diversionary section of that screenplay took our heroes on a canal boat journey to the lost city of Mars. Well, when that film project was abandoned in the mid-60s, that could have been the end of it, but at some point, apparently, Bradbury's friend, the author William F. Nolan, read through the screenplay and realised that there was a section of it which could very easily be turned into a standalone story. And that's exactly what Bradbury did. He took the present tense script pages, converted them into the past tense, so standard narration for a short story, did a bit of editing, rewriting, and there you have it, a new short story, published in 1967. Next in the complete edition is Holiday. This first appeared in the Arkham Sampler in autumn 1949 and has never been collected anywhere since, so you won't find it in any of Bradbury's books. It doesn't appear to be part of any of Bradbury's tables of contents for the Martian Chronicles, but it's an interesting story, again a very short piece, just three pages, and it deals with a number of men on Mars who are expectantly waiting for something to happen. Something which may happen today, or it may not happen today. Either way, regardless of this event which they speak of, the Martians, who in this story vastly outnumber the humans on the planet Mars, the Martians are planning a holiday, a, a festival with fireworks, dancing, music, and the men look up in the sky and they see the event that they feared would happen, but they knew would happen, and that is the destruction of the Earth, the nuclear war which Earth people have inflicted upon themselves. 
Now, if you think about the contents of the Martian Chronicles, we have a story called The Off-Season, which ends with the destruction of the Earth. Then there's a short passage called The Watchers, where again we see the Earth destroyed. Then there are a couple more stories on Mars before we return to Earth in There Will Come Soft Rains, which shows the aftermath of the atomic war with the automated house, which continues to function as long as it can after its human masters have perished. Well, the story Holiday, which is not in the Martian Chronicles, would fit somewhere in that chronology. It also shows the destruction of the Earth. Probably the most sensible place to put it would be in place of the Watchers, or possibly just before the off-season. And although the story in itself is quite poignant in the way that it's written, I can see that adding it to the Martian Chronicles wouldn't actually accomplish very much. The shock of the destruction of the Earth is already more than adequately covered in both the off-season and the Watchers, and it's poignantly brought to life in There Will Come Soft Rains, so I can absolutely see why Holiday is not considered necessary for the Martian Chronicles. Also, of course, Holiday has lots of Martians and very few Earth people, so it would be difficult to slot that in to the chronology of the Martian Chronicles, although with a bit of editing that could be achieved. Next we come to Payment in Full, which first appeared in Thrilling Wonder Stories in February 1950, and hasn't yet been collected in any of Bradbury's books, apart from Martian Chronicles Complete Edition, although it has been reprinted in at least one anthology edited by other people. And Payment in Full reads like a sequel to Holiday, in that there are several Earthmen on Mars drinking a toast to the Earth, which has just been destroyed. Next up is The Messiah. This, again, is a Martian story which post-dates the Martian Chronicles by a number of years, uh, first appearing in Welcome Aboard in spring 1971. And you can find this one collected in two of Bradbury's books. It's in Bradbury Stories, and it's in Long After Midnight. And if you ever saw the 1980 TV miniseries of the Martian Chronicles, you will have seen The Messiah dramatised. Because although the story isn't officially part of the Martian Chronicles, it was included in the TV miniseries. And there's an interesting story behind that. The Messiah is another story which is actually a spin-off from a Bradbury screenplay. He wrote several of these screenplays, and in one of them, the story The Martian, the one about the shape-shifting Martian who can take on the appearance of anybody, in Bradbury's screenplay... The Martian character wanders into a church where there is a priest thinking about Christ, and because this Martian takes on the form of whoever you are thinking about, he takes on the form of the Christ. As I said before in relation to The Lost City of Mars, with the Martian Chronicles screenplay not being used for a film, that meant any new material that Bradbury had generated could be extracted from the screenplay and could be turned into a short story and so that's what he did he took this unused concept of the messiah from the screenplay and turned it into a short story then when richard matheson came along in the late 70s to write the script for the tv miniseries of the martian chronicles bradbury must have suggested to him that the messiah could be used as an extension of the martian either that or bradbury perhaps shared his own screenplay with richard matheson 
And then we get to Night Call Collect. This is a story which is also known as I, Mars, and it was first published in Super Science Stories in 1949, under that title, I, Mars. But you can find it today collected in Icing the Body Electric and the Stories of Ray Bradbury. Night Call Collect is set on a version of Mars which really would struggle to coexist with the Martian Chronicles, because it's about a man who is essentially the only person on the planet. And because he is lonely, he sets up a whole series of telephone answering machines so he can phone himself up and hear a friendly voice on the other end of the line. It slightly overlaps with the short story called The Silent Towns, which is also about a lonely man who keeps phoning all the phones on Mars in the hope that eventually someone will pick up. But in The Silent Towns, clearly there are at least two people on Mars. There's him, and there's the woman that he ends up talking to. So Night Call Collect, or I Mars, cannot really coexist with that story. But I'll remind you of something I said earlier on, and that is that Ray's original handwritten table of contents for the Martian Chronicles ends with I Mars. So in his original concept, the way you make that story of the last man alone on Mars work is by putting it at the end. I'm glad he later had better ideas, ending the book instead with The Million Year Picnic, which then makes I, Mars impossible to reconcile with the book, and so it's left out. Then we get to The Blue Bottle, and this one first appeared in Planet Stories in fall of 1950, and you can find it collected today in two of Bradbury's books, Long After Midnight and The Stories of Ray Bradbury. And this is the one about the two men who are searching for the Blue Bottle, a, a legendary artefact, supposedly, on Mars, which contains whatever it is that you most desire. It's a kind of a Holy Grail story. Now, there's no real reason why this story couldn't be in the Martian Chronicles, but there's no evidence that Bradbury ever intended it to be in there. And then finally we get to Dark They Were and Golden Eyed, and this is a story which first appeared under the title The Naming of Names in Thrilling Wonder Stories in August 1949. And this is one of Bradbury's most reprinted stories. You can find it in various collections. It's in S's for Space, A Medicine for Melancholy, Twice 22, The Stories of Ray Bradbury, and it's been anthologised many times as well. And this story, The Naming of Names, was included in Bradbury's original draft table of contents for the Martian Chronicles, sitting between the fire balloons and the off-season. Now, I mentioned earlier that there is a short passage in the Martian Chronicles called The Naming of Names, but that's separate, that's a different thing. The Naming of Names in the Martian Chronicles is just a short bridge between two stories. The Naming of Names story is a very good story. It's about humans on Mars who begin to turn into Martians. But the transition of those humans into Martians is a slow and a literal process, which somewhat contradicts many of the other stories in the Martian Chronicles. But there is another very powerful reason for not including the naming of names in the Martian Chronicles, and that is that the story The Million Year Picnic makes the same point as dark they were and golden-eyed, i.e. of humans becoming Martians. But the Million Year Picnic does it metaphorically, 
symbolically. If you remember, the humans in their little canal boat look down into the water of the Martian canal. They see their own reflections and say, those are the Martians. We are the Martians now. Anyway, at some point, as he was playing with his table of contents for the Martian Chronicles, Ray decided that the million-year picnic should be the climax of the book. And once that decision is made, Dark They Were and Golden Eyed really has no place in the Martian Chronicles. And in all of the table of contents listed in Ella and Tuponce's The Life of Fiction, they have seven tables of contents for the Martian Chronicles, starting with the first handwritten one from June 1949, and ending up with the actual table of contents for the first edition, published in 1950. And of these seven tables of contents, it's interesting that the naming of names exists only in the first four. As I say, once the millionaire picnic is pencilled in as the ending of the book, the naming of names, dark they were and golden-eyed, no longer is needed for the Martian Chronicles. But it remains a very affecting story. So that brings us to the end of the other Martian stories. It's a very mixed bag. There are some very strong stories in here, but they're familiar ones, ones that you can find in a number of other Bradbury books, stories which don't have to coexist with anything else. But also in here are some stories which are not really stories, they're just fragments, they're linking passages, unfinished thoughts, and in some cases, like the Martian ghosts, you really doubt that they were ever intended to be a complete story. The Martian ghosts just feels like a number of separate fragments that have accidentally been joined together. So should there be a separate other Martian Chronicles book. Frankly, I'm not really sold on the idea. I don't see that it would have anything unique about it that would make it worthwhile for anyone to buy. The closest thing we have to it is the book A Pleasure to Burn, which is subtitled Fahrenheit 451 Stories. Those are stories which have some connection to the world of Fahrenheit 451, but clearly do not make up any kind of sequel or prequel or even parallel story. Pleasure to Burn really is a collection of stories which show Bradbury working through his ideas, which later would coalesce and emerge as Fahrenheit 451. That's very different to what we see with the Martian Chronicles. The Martian Chronicles always was a collection of stories that have been gathered together to make the strongest possible coherent narrative about the planet Mars. And it's a very effective retelling of the European invasion of the Americas. To group together all the other stories wouldn't add much to that mythology. I think it's best for those other Martian stories to be like fragments of pottery in a museum. They're not fragments that are designed to be joined together to make a complete pot in this instance. They are separate fragments from separate times, each of which served a separate purpose. Better to display them separately rather than group them together. Thanks for listening and look for the show notes on my website bradburymedia.co.uk 
where I will list the entire contents of the other Martian stories from the Martian Chronicles Complete Edition, so you can ponder on this some more. Let me know what you think of the idea of a second Martian Chronicles, and I'll see you next time. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bradbury 100 is presented and produced by Phil Nichols. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Please subscribe using your podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud and all good podcast places. And please also check out my YouTube series, Bradbury 101, and my other audio podcast, Science Fiction 101. For information on all of these, head to bradburymedia.co.uk. Bye.